All right, welcome back, everyone, to Wells Preachers Podcast, third Sunday in Lent, year C. We're still on our Lenten theme of crushed, looking at how Jesus crushes all the things that can crush our hope, our joy, our peace. Our theme for this particular Sunday is false security is crushed by faithful presence. So we're wrestling with human beings most frequently asked and incorrectly answered question of where is God, where is God's presence detected? Our participants today are Pastor Jonathan Bauer of Good News Lutheran in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, Pastor Joel Rousseau of Faith Lutheran in Tallahassee, Florida, and Professor Brad Wardell of Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. I'm John Hine, coordinator of Wells Congregational Services. Joel, I'm going to start with you. Help us to understand this theme, false security is crushed by faithful presence. What exactly are you hoping is the point that your people take home with them this weekend? So I'm going to share the point that I hope they leave with, and I'll circle back a little bit to the to the theme. Uh, I just love the parable in the gospel that Jesus gives of that that caretaker of the vineyard who is calling for more time and is patiently pleading, "Give me more time so there's fruit." And so I thought that that's kind of a goal that I have with with the sermon is just that our people would hear the the patient pleas of the caretaker um, that he's constantly calling us to repentance. Um, the, the readings, so you have the Gospel, Luke 13, and then 1 Corinthians 10, they're, they're tragic. So you have some tragedies, and it's very easy in tragedies to, to look at the wrong things, uh, to wonder where God is. Well, God is where he's always promised to be. He's there in his word, and that's where we need to seek to find him. But we don't want to take his word and his love and his grace and use that as a, a license to live immorally or do whatever we please. And that really comes up in the, the first Corinthians 10 reading. But I, I do hope that our, our people would leave hearing the warning, you know, from Jesus of the constant need to repent. I mean, that's the, the first thesis of the 95 of uh, that our entire life is one of repentance. But but then to see that that he is where he promises, right, right in his gospel, uh, that they they find his his care uh, in, in the means of grace. John Bauer, let me pivot to you, kind of building off what, what Joel said. I mean, you're the guy who looked at the outline for this uh, uh, this series and, and looked at the connections for the lessons. Um, you want to share some thoughts on the interconnection among the lessons and, and why we're going to go with 1 Corinthians 10, uh, the second reading, to try and drive home the theme of the day. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a really nice connection between these these two readings, uh, to be honest, I, I think it's that third one. It's actually the Exodus 3 reading that if, if someone were to preach on that, it just takes a little bit more uh, more thought. But I, I think with 1 Corinthians 10, the, the connection of this false sense of security very much comes out in, in uh, that reading along with the gospel. And I, I think with the gospel, you have this... Um, example or this instance of, of apparently some Jewish people looking at these two tragedies that are, are mentioned and looking at the, the bad thing that happens to somebody else and using that as the, the reason for their own sense of false security. You know, clearly God is punishing them. The fact that he hasn't punished me in any sort of similar way must mean that I'm better off somehow. Um, in this reading, it's not so much looking at, at something bad that has happened to somebody else as much as it is uh, looking at something that, that I do have 
some sort of uh, very visible, obvious connection to God and thinking that that provides me with my uh, just complete guaranteed uh, false sense of security that no matter what I do, there's there's absolutely no way that I could fall away from God because look at this uh, visible, physical, tangible connection that I have with him. And I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to to kind of discussing what, what Paul says in these verses with the guys, because it's it's interesting, the argument that he makes, uh, kind of building off of this Old Testament example. So gospel, I look at bad things that happen to other people and, and base false security off of that. This reading, it's more, look look at what I have, look at this this privilege that has been granted to me, therefore, um, I'm on, on solid ground. So, Brad, let me jump to you then. Do you uh, have any initial thoughts either about the original text or about what you see as the main message in the second reading? Yeah, I've appreciated what uh, what Joel and John have said about false security. You get the impression that that Paul is really trying to uh, pierce that that sense of false security. Uh, it's it's in the context of uh, being in a city where there's idolatry and immorality. And what about if we start uh, buying the meat, uh, sacrifice the idols, and eating this meat? And uh, are we safe, or or do we need to be on our guard and be careful? And I, that's the reason why why Paul is is talking about the Old Testament and summarizing a lot of the history from uh, Exodus and from the book of Numbers. Uh, he's trying to, to pierce that self-security, that false sense of security. Uh, one of the things that I noticed about the text uh, as I read it uh, in the Greek, and maybe it stands out more in the Greek, is that you've got two sets of four uh, in, in the text. Uh, at the beginning, you've got the four pontes. Uh, all of them uh, passed, uh, were under the cloud and, and passed through the sea. That's the first one. Uh, all of them were baptized uh, into Moses uh, in the cloud and in the sea. Uh, all of them ate the same spiritual bread and all of them drank the same spiritual drink. And uh, those four uh, are advantages that the Old Testament Israelites had. What wonderful advantages uh, they they were. But Paul is using language uh, to, to remind the Corinthians that they also have these advantages, <laughs> these same advantages of having uh, God's blessings. Uh, but then what, what Paul does is he says, but most of them God was not pleased with, even though all of them had all of these advantages. Uh, Look what happened to most of them. So there, there's those four things that are, are mentioned, uh, and they're not to give comfort. They're actually to take away our, our false sense of, of, of self-security, <laughs> because look what happened uh, in the Old Testament. And then the other uh, pair of four, set of four that, that is interesting, and it jumps out to, uh, at you, are the, the maydes, uh, the four things that we have to be on our guard about as we face temptation, not be becoming idolaters and not uh, committing sexual immorality and not testing Christ uh, and not uh, also uh, then complaining against God. Uh, So the temptations are common to us all in the Old Testament and us as well. And just as the Old Testament people needed to be on their guard, uh, we also need to be on our guard. 
Joel, let me go back to you. Um, we should probably get into the various points of the sermon. Do you have any initial thoughts about how you're going to handle this text? There's no shortage of law preaching in this text, <laughs> and, and I think you can get very specific in some regard. Um, I, I think the term is, I think it comes from C.S. Lewis. Maybe the others can correct me. He used, uses the term sometimes of chronological humility, that a lot of times when you look back on history and then you look where you're at today, you're like, well, we're not like those people. You know, we're so much smarter and, and all of that. And I think you have to have some chronological humility when you walk through this history of the Old Testament and, and the people, as, as Brad pointed out, who had all these advantages, um, the, the Pontus, those, that first set of four. And, and yet, look how many of, of them actually made it to the promised land. And, and I, I thought of it, maybe it's a bad picture, but I thought of almost like an autopsy. You know, if you walk into a war scene or you, you walk into a crime scene, and you're like, what just happened? And you have these bodies scattered through the desert. Well, there's a lesson to be learned. And Paul keeps coming back to that, too, of, you know, be careful. Um, these are examples. And if you think you're standing firm, you know, watch out. So there's, there's definitely a warning there. I think we, I would have to do this a little bit with our people of just helping them to see, okay, yeah, maybe you might not bow down to a golden calf or, you know, may not have uh, relations with a Moabite woman or something like that, but helping translate a little bit of well, what, what does that idolatry look like now? What does that sexual immorality look like? And um, like I said, there's no shortage of, of law preaching here. John. I think in that regard, it's it's kind of an interesting case that Paul builds. Um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the whole conversation about idol meat, I think, would have been primarily something that was addressed or would have been an issue with, with some of the Gentile Christians in Corinth. And so to build a case on all this Jewish history uh, in addressing these Gentile Christians, it, in a lot of ways, it's really no more of a disconnect than, than what we might feel uh, toward some of these examples today. And then the opportunity along with that in verse 11 to, to kind of highlight and dwell on, I think, uh, that, that third, third word in the Greek, that these things were uh, typikos, they were, they were types. Um, and of course, we right away see our, our uh, English word typical. Very different circumstances, very different times, but typical sins that people can commit. And the Gentile Christians in Corinth had no more of a, a cultural or chronological connection with these uh, Jewish believers uh, than we do. And, and so as much as Paul wanted them to still see those sins as typical, uh, it's our opportunity to help our, our people see them as typical too. Maybe building on uh, what uh, you just said there, uh, John, the um, the New Testament church is Israel, <laughs> and you and I love the way the Apostle Paul connects the Old Testament to the New Testament, and and says to this congregation of both Jews and Gentiles, let's study the history of our fathers. Uh, so as we study the Old Testament, this really is our history, even though we are Gentiles, and God's word has so much to say to us. In that first paragraph, you have sacramental term, you know, terminology with what comes in the second half of the chapter and in chapter 11. And just, I mean, just as far, I guess this is law preaching, um, when he connects, you know, the cloud and the sea and the whole concept that in baptism, God uses an element that we would see 
every single day so that we're constantly reminded and yet we don't have that reminder and and eating and drinking taking something that we do every and just think of like how casual it was that, that they just maybe it didn't like the awe that they lacked when they were scooping up manna like which, which should have just like filled them with wonder and yet it just became mundane to them and like there's applications for the lord's supper he has to be intentional using sacramental terms in that first paragraph yeah, yeah. I, I think uh very much so and and like you said and kind of you know we're, we're segueing a little bit to some of the uh potential gospel preaching here but the idea of god's faithful presence as the the remedy to a false sense of security um that in these very very ordinary things um, the fact that that Paul can say in verse four that that rock was Christ, so he was there, even as he was potentially being ignored or downplayed or minimized or you know whatever. He's he's just there, like that guy in the vineyard who's pleading more time and is going to keep fertilizing as long as there is time. Jesus is still there, um, and that's ultimately the 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 hope that we can point people to that even if we neglect or, or downplay the wonderful blessings that we have or take them for granted or, or use them for false security, it's not like Jesus is going to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pack up my tent and, and head out of this place. Um, he'll, he'll still be there. I think you're right that this language is intentional. It's almost as if Paul is saying to New Testament Christians, uh, just because you have been baptized into Christ and just because you have eaten the spiritual food and drink of the Lord's Supper doesn't mean that you are safe and you don't need to repent and you don't need to be on your guard. Uh, he's purposely connecting the, the advantages and the blessings of the New Testament church with, that, with those enjoyed by the Old Testament church. Other thoughts? I, I think connected to that, just kind of tying in with something uh, Brad said earlier, it, it yeah, obviously the, the sacraments are pure gospel and, and they're, they're such a, a wonderful blessing. But as Paul is uh, pointing out here, it's, it's kind of a sword that can cut both ways. The very thing that makes it such a blessing is the thing that can lead to it so easily being abused. And that repeated use of the word all, um, when we administer the sacraments, yes, we, um, we do so carefully and we do so according to Christ's institution. And yet we take people at their confession. Um, we don't stand up there at the Lord's table and, and try and look into people's eyes or into their hearts and say, well, let's see, has, has this person uh, really repented of their sins or have they been uh, willfully sinning during this past week? Um, we, it, it's for everybody. And it, it really does unite everybody, not only uh, to Jesus in the blessings that they deliver from him, but really to a, a visible organization in, in a church. And it's that very thing that can cause people to to have that false sense of security. So it's, I think it's a, an opportunity to to kind of tease some of those thoughts out um, that that Paul does uh, these these blessings that we have at our disposal. The very thing that makes them so wonderful is the thing that can lead to their abuse so easily. 
Brad. I think it would be a great uh, Sunday to to preach about baptism and to preach about uh, the Lord's Supper as well. That these aren't just outward things. That 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 through faith <laughs> we have forgiveness, life, and eternal salvation. And as we come to the Lord's table, we come to the to that table with with a contrite heart, uh, with a repentant heart, trusting that this body and this blood was given for us and for our sins to save us. So I think the text really is encouraging us uh, to live a life of faith, uh, to live a life of repentance and not let uh, the advantages and the blessings that God gives to us uh, through his church to become an empty outward form. Joel. Just wanted to, uh, you know, bring verse 13 into the the discussion here too. I mean, you just you do have some some wonderful promises there too of how God is faithful. Um, that um, He doesn't necessarily take the the testing and temptation away. He could. Um, ultimately, He does in heaven. But what He does is He gives us the strength. And how does He give that strength? Well, of course, through the, the means of grace, which which is we want to we don't want to abuse them, but we also want to use them and and benefit from them. And, uh, you know, so just a, a, a beautiful picture there of, I think maybe we've all heard sermons or, or at least read things of how this verse gets really twisted and contorted in a lot of ways where you're not quite sure what the comfort is. Um, but I, I just thought of how, again, if, you know, we talk at the beginning, what do I want to leave my people with? One, that God warns them about the dangers they're going to face. But two, that God also equips them with his grace to face those temptations and those challenges and how, how he so well prepares us. And that's the, the voice of the caretaker caring for our entire lives. Fred. Yeah, I think there's especially three words of encouragement at, at the end of, of this text. One is that, that God is faithful. Um, another one is that the temptations that we face are common to all people, <laughs> and that just as God was with uh, saints in the past and will be with saints in the, in the future, he'll be with us as well. And then the third one, that he will provide a way out, that, that through his word, uh, he will give us the, the strength that we need, and if we fall, he'll give us the forgiveness that we need. Maybe I, I got a I got a question for you guys. I'm in just, I'm just wondering as you write this. So especially in verses like six through ten, when you're rattling off, um, I mean you you already have in verses one through five, but you're rattling off these historic events. But then they get real kind of more specific in six through ten. Do do you have to take the two minute um, uh, di- divergent path to explain what all those are, or is the point simply that? Uh, um, there's consequences for taking these advantages for granted. I'm wondering if the average member would know what what all this is referring to. Joel, got some thoughts? Yeah, I think for that reason alone, I I would take just a little bit of time, um, just just to build up some some biblical knowledge too. Just to okay, here's what this is referring to. Um, I, I think also that, you know, just as I work through the list myself with my own heart, you know, you go, okay, idolatry. Yeah. All right. Whatever. And then you get down to complaining and it's like, okay, how many times I already complain in the last hour. 
And and that's on the list. And and that's a warning there. Be careful if you think you're standing for well, who of us didn't just complain this morning? And and of course, with the other ones, too, when you start digging, it, it of course, hits our hearts. <laughs> but I, I would take the time. I think it's worthwhile to, to build up that knowledge. Right. It's almost surprising that uh, Exodus 32 or Numbers 11, 14, 16, 21, and 25 aren't, aren't the Old Testament lesson. <laughs> and uh, I think that the Old Testament lesson is what gives us that, that confidence, that, that God's faithful presence, the Lord uh, who loves fallen mankind and has a plan to redeem and to save fallen mankind. I think that the, the Old Testament lesson gives us uh, security in God <laughs> instead of false security in ourselves. Other thoughts? Brad? One phrase that's always uh, hopped out uh, for me from this text uh, that really shows the gospel. It's one of those wow phrases, I think, uh, to us uh, upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And I think that that's, that's just a beautiful phrase for, for, for us and for our people uh, to put ourselves inside of the history of the whole world and, and to be reminded that we live after uh, the coming of, of the Savior who, who lived for us and died for us and rose again. And uh, we're living in the end times and uh, we need to fight the good fight as we wait for our Savior to come again. But we're living in the age of fulfillment. Other thoughts? Joel? This might be another timing thing, but uh, I think they run them all over the place. Here in Florida, we have a tobacco-free Florida campaign. And so, you know, they, they don't want people smoking. So what do they put on the commercial is, you know, a guy with a voice box who, you know, it's kind of a scare you straight type campaign. Like, you don't want to smoke because this is what's going to happen to you. This text has a, a warning element to it. Like, hey, look what could happen. But but I thought in, in encouraging some of the sanctified preaching here, um, just think of the the beautiful fruits that God does produce when we are in his word. You know, so here are some maybe some negative examples, but think of the positive examples in the New Testament and, and even in Corinth, too, that that we can hold those up for God's people to encourage them in their sanctified living. When you are in the means of grace, when you do your have your security in Christ, here's what that looks like in your life. And so that, that might be a neat way to kind of flip a text on its head a little bit and say, okay, here's some negative examples. Now let's look at the contrary. I've never seen the the Florida um, tobacco campaign do positive examples, so maybe that's why I had that on my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, when Jesus was talking about uh, how rich people are not able to inherit the kingdom of of heaven, and the the disciples say, "Well, then who can be saved?" Almost in despair, and and the comfort is, "Well, nothing is impossible with God." So when you're, like you said, you turn the text this text on its head. Well, you read these examples, and you think, "Well, who then can be saved?" Well, the Lord is faithful, and and He will crush our false security. He will help us. John, I, I think along those same lines it's an interesting text just to I take a moment to think about our law preaching um i think it's it's maybe easy to think that if i can if i 
really can't say that I preached the law this week, which of course we want to do uh, on a weekly basis. There has to be sort of this you are the man moment where we really stick it to people about a particular sin. Um, and, you know, I, I think when you read the surrounding context, I, there certainly was opportunity for Paul to, to do that. And, and there are examples of words and phrases where he does, but just using the law more as a, a warning uh, mechanism to say, let's look at these others. And if you think this couldn't happen to you, you are sorely mistaken. And rather than pointing the finger right at them and saying, you have been idolatrous, you have been sexually immoral, you have been grumbling. um, He says, look at what these other people have done and what happened to them. And it gives them a chance to just kind of stand there alongside Paul as they're looking at the example of the Israelites and really reflect on their own uh, rather than someone really shoving it in their face and saying, Hey, you know, this is what you guys are doing by your, by your behavior. I hope you realize that. So I think it's an opportunity as, as preachers to just say, to use the law to warn is, is very appropriate. It's, I mean, you want to talk about a relevant topic to the whole concept of cultural Christianity, just identifying with the Christian going through the motions but with with no real like gospel penetrate penetration or gospel appreciation um it, it certainly seems which isn't again convicting of any specific like you said you are the man type moment but it's 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 more attitudinal your your view of you know a religious view versus a gospel centric view uh of life joel do you have something yeah yeah and i i agree fully with what john said i I do think it does give you a chance, though, that know your context a little bit. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not thinking of anything specific here, but, you know, there have been times when you can just pick up a sense of complaining and grumbling just among God's people. Well, maybe there's a chance to hone in on that a little bit with a text where not that you go full, full out blast, you're the man, but hey, let's take a look at our own hearts a second that we got to be careful here. I think, too, there's always that danger that I can let a little sin creep into my life and my heart because I'm a believer and I can overcome it. It won't get the best of me. Uh, There there is that, that, again, that false sense of security that that I can play with fire and not get burned. Other thoughts? I like the way uh, Christ is is mentioned uh, in in both half both halves of the text. That it, it, it's a reminder that that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is eternal, and He was with the people of the Old Testament. Uh, he was singing. Uh, to them through the Psalms. Uh, uh, he was the center of the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament was leading to him. And uh, the Old Testament believers were God's people also because of, of Christ. And it just shows the glory of Jesus, our Savior, that he is the only Savior of, of all people, both in the Old Testament and in the New. John. Kind of going back to, I guess, the question of... <laughs> what do you want people to walk away with it, There's just kind of this interesting, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe a, a paradox where on the one hand, if you think you're standing firm, the warning is you're going to fall. But then on the other hand, when he, by the, by the time he gets to the very end, 
it's not just that we think we're, you know, maybe high up on, on some perch that we could never fall from. But in this case, there's, there's some sort of temptation. There's some sort of uh, test that is actually pushing down on us, trying to get us to fall. But the promise is you're going to be able to stand up under it. So it's just such a, an, an interesting twist that, you know, you could imagine yourself kind of on this eagle's nest, perched way up there, high above all, you know, danger that's when you need to be really scared. But when the devil's really throwing the kitchen sink at you, you can be confident that you're going to be able to stand. Um, and to be able to hold that out to, to believers, I think, is really the, the joy of this text. Um, so just a, just a thought there. I think it's interesting that uh, the other sermon texts in this series, we've talked about, about God crushing the enemies around us, but this one is really about crushing something inside of us, that false security that just so naturally comes out of our, our sinful nature. And, and God crushes that false security by his word, uh, by, by uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, by, by reminding us what, what our baptism is all about. I think what you said, John, is is really helpful. That I, I, I know, and I, I could I still to this day can fall into the trap of thinking that gospel specifically just is something that pertains to forgiveness. When there's good news that's beyond beyond that, God forgives me, and just to say it, it is gospel preaching to say God is going to give you every resource you need to stand up under under temptation. Um, it's, it's, it's that's a great point. And I, you know, if, if uh, the preacher is, you know, if you, if you're, I, I don't know what they're, what they teach at, at some these days is, or, or the terminology that's used, but what I recall from uh, homiletics classes, you kind of have this end goal virtue that you're, you're trying to at least have in mind, whether or not you, you paint this picture of the ideal uh, Christian that uh, is at the end of the sermon after they've heard this text. But in a lot of ways, it, it really is, I think, Moses in, in Exodus chapter three, where on the one hand, um, he is confident to be able to approach God. On the other hand, he, he knows, or at least he's been told and he knows that he's on holy ground. And, and just keeping those two things in balance, that I don't have any sort of right to just hop, and skip, hop, skip, and jump my way to God as if he and I are on the same level. I need to uh, heed the warnings that this text presents. On the other hand, because he comes to me in word and sacrament, that, that draws me in. I don't need to be terrified of my God. Um, he's there faithfully present in those ways. So I come near, but I, I know I'm on holy ground. Right. I like that that thought of balance. Uh, we not only want to crush the false security in our hearts, we want to feed uh, the true security that comes by faith in, in Christ our Savior. Other thoughts? Go ahead, Brad. I wonder, too, it's not explicitly in the text, but I think it does, the text does call on us to be concerned for each other and to be helping each other to to spot perhaps the false security in our hearts, but also to be warning each other of the dangers and then also um, leading leading people to repentance. And, and if we do that, we serve our, our brother or our sister in a wonderful way. Maybe maybe adding to that a little bit too. I think just even at the end, the encouragement of um, helping others bear up 
underneath a, a burden. Um, I mean, what a joy it is to worship together. And hey, we're <laughs> we're all we're all struggling with the, the same thing, and yet we all need that rock, which is Christ, and the, the the forgiveness that He gives us, and the strength He provides, and and relying on each other too. John, yeah, it's a definitely a text that reinforces the idea that part of God's solution, not only to my false security that I might develop, but also the temptations that uh, that might overcome me is the Christian community to which I belong. Um, I know, but well, I'm, I'm hoping by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we're dealing with right now are going to be uh, gone and hopefully forgotten. But that's such a, a valuable text to remember the idea of me sitting uh, by myself at home consuming Christian content and Christian messages through all the wonderful tools that are at our disposal these days is not the grand total of everything that God uh, has offered me to try and keep me close to him and to keep me from falling. He wants me to be a part of a Christian community where I am uh, really present with with real other people because he, he's really present there in in the means of grace. Yeah, I, I mean, just the application to make um, in, in the final verse, when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. And how much of that way out? Yes, of course, it's, it's through a word and sacrament, but the word and sacrament as taught, encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're facing those moments of duress is um, a good, good, good time to drive that point home. Final, Brad. Yeah, the, the, our greater context, the, 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 the people around us are doing these same four things, right? They're tempting us to idolatry, to sexual immorality, to uh, testing God, to grumbling. What a blessing it is when we can gather together with, with other believers to, to worship the true God <laughs> and to think about what is pure and lovely and right and to be uh, saying, Lord, we want to do your will. <laughs> and, uh, and then also to be praising God and thanking him in all circumstances. What a blessing we have in the fellowship of believers. I appreciate all this. Just one of the things we do when we when when my group does uh, works with churches is we do these pulse surveys and some of the questions um, are always doctrinal and it, it's just I, I tell the pastor that this is just for your information so you can kind of know where uh, your members are at and it's amazing how our our people often kind of forget. Uh, catechism truths about the sacraments, um, like even even some of the basics about the Lord's Supper. And it, it really shouldn't be shocking, I guess, because you think about where it comes up in the pericope, like the Lord's Supper, you have Monday, Thursday, which not that many people go to. And beyond that, and, and guys will make like general references to, well, remember what, you know, what happened in your baptism or the importance of uh, the forgiveness you received in the Lord's Supper. But to have a text like this that really lets you dive into that and and talk about the blessings in a way that lets those teachings become fresh again, I think that's a it's a great opportunity this weekend. You guys got any final final thoughts? I just maybe just a, an additional gospel thought if you bring in the Luke gospel of just the idea of Christ interceding for us. You know, just give him more time. The, the caretaker of the vineyard just give it more time and and how how patient he is i think that is the uh john you can correct me the verse of the day is is it second peter three um 
God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish. Um, and, uh, I don't have the worship. I think you're right. I don't have the worship plan pulled up, but I believe you're correct. Just a beautiful thought to to carry through all, out all of that. The the patient intercession of God, calling us and warning us, and yet standing up for us before God too. Seeing no other final thoughts. Thank you, brothers. We're halfway through Lent. Uh, Lord's blessings to all our listeners as you bring God's word to your people this coming weekend. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thank you, brothers.